Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties, so if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area and haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. So before we jump into this week's episode of Cocktails and Conversations, I just wanted to dive in a little bit more into how you make the cocktail that I've been making for these um, podcasts. I've been actually getting a lot of requests for the recipes, so I I wanted to share a little bit about how you can make this. So if you want to make it home, uh, please do. Um, I... I'm sharing some of my favorites, so I'm hoping that you will enjoy them as well. But for this one that um, I'm going to share with my friend Ben Hoyer, I made also one of my favorites, which I've talked about before, which is a whiskey sour. So um, if you want to make this, you can take two ounces of bourbon. For this one, I use the Jack Daniels Honey and oh yeah it's so delicious but any kind of bourbon whichever you prefer and then I did one ounce of grapefruit juice one ounce of lemon and lime juice together and then I did a half ounce of thyme simple syrup which simple syrup is super easy to make you just literally boil one part water one part sugar and then if you want to put in some kind of like rosemary or sage or thyme or whatever in there, then you just boil it and you just keep on moving it around until it is all dissolved in the water. So if you like your cocktails a little bit sweeter, like I do, then add some simple. If you don't leave the simple out and your cocktail will be equally as delicious, just a little bit more strong. And then, um, two to three dashes of bitters, um, will go in there and I prefer an egg white, so just throw all of that in there and then get a shaker and just shake that up real good. Um, for an egg white, you really want it nice and strong and frothy. So I usually shake it for probably almost a minute. So give it a good shake and then serve it up in a preferably chilled, mine are not always chilled, but a chilled coupe <laughs> or up I prefer. Um, so that would be how to make that version of a whiskey sour and kind of most whiskey sours in general. So I hope you enjoy, and I'm really excited for you to listen in today on Ben's story. I've known Ben for so many years. I came across Credo uh, when they were first opening in 2011. I walked into their College Park store, um, coffee shop, before it was there was really anything on the walls or anything happening, but I was like, what is this new spot? And so I kind of met Ben and started to really make some connections there and work out of there a lot and started to build community, which I was, um, loving kind of the way that they were doing that and Credo's mission really of, you know, living life with meaning impact is something that I really aligned with. And I saw the ways that they were doing that and the way that Ben was fostering that in Orlando. And I really wanted to be a part of that. So you may or may not know, but I worked for Credo for a year and a half, um, many years ago, right up until I went to Australia and New Zealand for that, uh, little sabbatical that I did. And so I loved working with that team and I loved help spreading what they are doing. And I have, um, just really uh, like appreciated, uh, Credo's impact in my life and Ben's impact in my life. And really Ben was a a dear friend who really helped give me some direction around that time when I came home from 
from that trip and that really kind of eventually led to the dinner party project. So I've been really honored by his support and Creta's support of the dinner party project since the very beginning. Um, I, I really couldn't have done it without the support of the Orlando community and most definitely including Ben and including Credo. So I really hope that you will enjoy this chat. Hello, Ben Hoyer. Welcome to Cocktails and Conversation. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Glad to be here, Dana. Salud. Cheers. Hope you will enjoy this cocktail. It's tasty. Mmm. Good. Good, good, good. So today I made my favorite cocktail, which is... Whiskey. Do you know? Whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey sour. Whiskey sour. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I put some... But you put grapefruit juice in... In your whiskey sour? This time. Okay. Yeah. Why not? You can put anything in there. That's the beauty of it. You can put (laughs) so many flavors in there. It doesn't... You make it your own, which is why I love whiskey sour. You start with bourbon, so we're using Jack Daniels honey. And then we've got some lemon and lime juice in there and some grapefruit, so it's definitely very tart and acidic. Just a tiny bit of simple syrup, um, a dash of bitters, and then an egg white. For thickness, the, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. The texture and the frothiness, and it just, just makes it too easy to drink, which is <laughs> definitely 100% a problem, but also makes for a really delicious drink. So, um, so I love cocktails, and it's just um, a real treat whenever I can go out for one or whenever I can make one. And I know you've become a little bit of a home bartender yourself. Um, what are some of your favorite drinks and or like what is your go-to drink when you're out or your favorite drink? What like what what is your your order like if you could go around to every place and order like a drink? What would my, it be? My favorite drink to order is a Manhattan. Is a Manhattan. Except for that they always make it in a up glass like in a martini glass or something. Really? Yeah. A Manhattan? I know. It should be in a rocks glass. I know. So I have to special order like I'll have a Manhattan but don't put it in the martini glass. Put it in the old-fashioned glass. Where are you going? <laughs> that's where they make it. Right. That's how they make it. Huh. You look it up. That's how it's called to be made too. It's called to be made. Yeah. In a, in like a, in a martini glass. In a martini glass. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So, but I love that. You and, love that. And I was just I I just last night made a Brooklyn for the first time, which I really liked. Which is tell which me what had, Brooklyn is. Had whiskey, um, and then I used a bourbon whiskey, and then. Um, uh, dry vermouth mm-hmm. and then like an orange bitters and then like maraschino liqueur or i used grenadine right and um it's really pretty great right because it's like I do like grenadine yeah it, it doesn't come out sweet it just adds a little bit of color to it you just use like a mm. like a like uh one part grenadine to four parts whiskey right and then two parts vermouth and one part bitters like the two dashes I would, of yeah i need something a little like i need to slide that sweetness <laughs> up just a little bit for me to enjoy it but i'm glad that you enjoyed it yeah like i got I've to where never... i was not mixing anything with my bourbon and i that's still nice but um but sometimes you want a little more complexity to the drink than just right. scotch or whiskey right so, yeah. yeah it's beautiful i think bourbon is, the, is one of the few things that i really could just have by itself yeah yeah it's lovely um but most other things i really want to mix it up or bring in some other flavor profiles than just i don't know other liquors right bourbon is definitely my favorite so um so that would be your drink of choice when you order out manhattan manhattan yeah, yeah. it's good do you have a favorite one around town place yeah to get to get a manhattan no no i don't actually when i go out usually i just get beer because i don't want to take the time I'm sorry, what? I don't like... What is that? What does that I, even I'm mean? I'm usually too cheap, so I just oh, get a okay. beer and then I drink cocktails at home. Usually. Fair. Okay. Got it. I mean, I've been... If I'm like... If we're out... I don't go out that much, really. Fair enough. Um, but if we're at like someplace... If we're at Mathers, I'll get a, a, a Manhattan or at um, Matador. I'll usually get just whiskey at Matador because it's too crowded and... Yes. Yeah. You just get in and out. In and out. Get my drink. Mm -hmm. Get out of the way. (laughs) Go find a space where where every other person (laughs) is not already has not already claimed. Fair enough. Yeah. But I like if I'm going out for drinks, I usually like kind of a divey bar where I can sit in the corner with a beer with a few people rather than a cocktail place where there's a lot of people. 
All right, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good choices. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about a little bit how we met first initially met. So, do you remember the story? I, well, I remember, you yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. I okay. Because I've heard you tell the story yeah. to me a couple times. Yeah, because it's very memorable to me. <laughs> yeah. So, this was in 2011. Okay. So, Credo started in 2010? Well, sort of, but mainly Ish. in 2011. I mean, the organization was in 2010, but we... Started the College Park... Coffee shop, really, in 11. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in the fall of 2011, I walk into Credo, yeah. which does not resemble the Credo, sure. obviously, that has become. There's yeah. these ugly red chairs <laughs> and, like, nothing on the walls yeah. and horrible furniture and two guys behind the bar, <laughs> one being you, one being Stefan. And so I was like, great, this is space. This is new. And so I said, can I use this space for a clothing swap? And you just looked at me with a blank look in your eyes, like you would rather poke your eyeballs out with a fork than listen to me talk about whatever it was. I was like, oh, is this guy alive? I'm not sure, but I'm just going to ask him anyway. <laughs> so you gave me your business card, oh, which was a square. Cool. I had a business card. You did. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And you wrote, your hand wrote your email on there. Oh, right. Then at Downtown Credo. Great. And you're like... Same email. You were like, email me. And I was like, okay, great. So I did. And I was like, this guy's never going to respond. Like, there's no chance. Right. Right. But you did. But I did respond. You did respond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably the blank look was I had no idea what clothing swap was or that Fair someone enough. would need a space for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember that. If you have a space, yeah. I'm going to use it for yeah, something. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> and I remember you also being like, like, I will bring so many people into your space. That was like, can I do a clothing shop here? And I remember being like, well, maybe, I don't know. And you were like, I will pack this place out with people. You will have so many people in here. Right. You want me to have your clothing swap in here. That's how it went. Fair enough. But then the email is kind of like a thing I learned uh, to see how serious, how much people would follow through on stuff. Because a lot of people will talk about something, but like, I don't know how, I don't know you from anybody. Right. I don't know, I don't want to get into something and then you not. So if you email me, then it's a level of like, no, I actually want to do this. I took the time, I went home, I thought about it later, I sent you an email, I composed it, I said something in it. Fair and enough. now it gives me space, space to go, okay, well, she asked me twice, essentially, so now we can talk about it. Right. So that's all. That's always been my go-to. Oh, that's a good ah. idea. Send me an email about it, and then we can talk about it. So know? future people should know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a strategy. Right. If he's telling <laughs> right. you to send him an email, he's, he's, he's really vetting serious. you. Getting, yeah, yeah. Right. Making sure you are serious. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. That's my next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't... Don't F around with me. Are you serious? Um, so one of the reasons I really wanted to do this podcast was I love people's stories. And I love to... I mean, there's so many people doing really incredible stuff in the city. And it has taken them a while. Especially people that have kind of started from, from ground zero. Created something out of nothing. But there's so much behind like how we get to those places. And... Um, so much to our story that we don't have control over so our family of origin like where we're born in this world our dna where we are in the birth order all that kind of stuff um which i think shapes us in ways that um but i mean essentially first of all we don't have control over right. and then as adults we get to more so shape our story but what was like growing up in your household like what like what were your parents like? Do you have siblings? Where were you in that birth order? What was like the vibe of like the Hoyer family? Oh, oh great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we grew up in, I grew up in Lake Mary. We moved here when I was super young. So in 83, mm -hmm. we moved here. Um, there's four kids in my family. I'm the second. Second. Yeah. And older sister. Yeah. I have an older sister right. and then a younger sister and then a youngest brother. There's four of us, and it's within six years. So they had four kids within six years. That's so true amount of time. So we're all like, yeah, they were like, I mean, that's just classic. My parents, like, they are... Efficient? Yeah, very efficient. Like, 
really value work and good work ethic and like they just get it done we're gonna have they kids would. let's just get the kids done you know and uh so that we can get started and then get over with Do and get on to the next was task intentional? No, I think like, I think three was intentional and four was like somebody surprise! better nip this thing in the bud kind right. of a thing. Yeah, so then uh, that my little brother Jake was the last, um, and I mean you know we we uh, we went to public school and uh, played baseball growing up, and my dad coached my teams, and my mom taught our preschool, and when we were when we were young, she made all of our clothes. And she was very. Where can we find photos of this? Mother. Wow. Um, that was my grandmother. My mother absolutely had no time to make anybody's clothes, but my grandmother had six kids, and she made like matching outfits amazing. that they would do like the twice a year photos in yeah. like the shirts that she would make <laughs> with like buttonholes. Yeah. And I'm. That just blows my mind. Yeah. It's, I mean. Like, most of elementary school, all my shirts with buttons, mom made. Shorts wow. I wore to school. But towards the end of elementary school, she started phasing out of that. Did anybody and doing know stuff. any better? Like, were they like, oh, did your mom make that shirt for you? Uh, no. I mean, at least not that they said to me. <laughs> maybe, maybe they did know, but I, right. nobody made fun of me for it or anything. Um, and I, I remember when she went back to work. I gave her a really hard time. I was bummed because I told her we wouldn't have cookies waiting for us when we came home from school anymore. I mean, she just really kind of took care of us, you right. know, and, um, and was also like really, um, focused on like, like one of the memories that sticks out was that we, um, we got these, it, I went to elementary school in the middle to late eighties mm-hmm. and we, we had these, um, school jackets that they had made Lake Mary Elementary School dolphins and they had dolphins on the back and they were super cool. And they had elastic on the wristbands. And it was like a bomber? Yeah, like a bomber jacket. Bomber jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right, super cool. I'm thinking like prep school jacket. No, 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 no. no. like, like, yeah, like bomber jacket right. with the elastic here and the poofy sleeves. Yeah. And uh, so we got them and we were so excited that they let us get our school jackets that then we pushed the sleeves up over our elbows. Like it's the 80s. That's what you do. It's Fair super enough. cool. Yeah. And she was not happy with us because it was going to stretch out the elastic. Yeah. And this is why the memory sticks with me. It's classic. My mom, we were telling her, mom, no, we got to push him up. It's cool to push up your sleeves. Right. That's <laughs> like, what's cool, mom. And she said, she said, but Ben. If you wear your sleeves down, everyone will think it's cool to wear their sleeves down. And we wrote, went to school with our sleeves down. She That was like her. She was very focused on like... Practicality. Yeah. Or, or just like building self-esteem, like giving us a sense of confidence. Like you are the ones who'll set what's cool. Like So did you, you not push up your jacket? Right. You didn't? No. No. Yeah. Because she said everyone else would think it's cool if you wear them down. I said, okay, let's do it. Ah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So instilling that confidence in you. Yeah. Um, so the vibe of the family was like a lot of family time or a lot of, I mean, it seemed like your family was closed or was it like, was there any like rebellion in like, like growing, your, up. growing up or? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, we were all, uh, there's four of us and so it felt like there was always one who, like three, were ganging up on one. So there's a lot of fights. My sisters shared a room, and my brother and I shared a room, like, all the way through until my senior year of high school. I oh, shared wow. a room with my little brother, who's five years younger than me. Okay. And so was so that annoying? Sometimes it was annoying, but a lot. Of, he was five years younger than me, so I could get him to do most of the cleaning up of the room. We had to clean up our rooms on Saturdays, mm. you know, and so. Clever. Um, yeah, it, it worked out all right. Uh-huh. Um, and my dad, like, we were just really, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We were always pretty, we were always pretty frugal. And so my dad always had us doing crazy jobs around the house of, like, fixing the plumbing ourselves or, like, all the yard work. And, um, so there was, you know, typical kind of fights and stuff. But the family as a whole was, right. yeah, solid. Pretty was, solid. I had a really good growing up and yeah. still do have a great relationship with my brother and sisters and my parents and um, talk to them at least once a week. And... Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's that's the hope, that's the dream. Um, obviously not everyone has that um, that story or that ability to come from parents that like are invested in care and of course, yeah. show you and tell you that they love you. Right. Yeah, no family's gonna be perfect, but there is something for, yeah, a really solid family dynamic and parents that really invest in you and yeah, I mean, that's, that's the dream for, I think, obviously, like, if everybody could have that, what a, what a place we would be able to live in. Yeah, I mean, the more people I get to know, the more grateful I am for the family I grew up in, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is very true. So, what was, like, middle school been like? That's a good question. Uh-huh. It's a hard, I mean, I can, I have, like, very vivid mem- memories of middle school, like, like, um, so that's funny. I, I joke a lot, but it's probably not a joke that I peaked academically in sixth grade. It was like my best academic year. Like, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you I were got, just crushing it. Yeah. I was killing it. Killing it. And really I can remember in middle school, in sixth grade, well, maybe the beginning, well, towards the end of sixth grade, I can't remember thinking, oh, wait a minute. Like. It's not, like, I'll make more friends if I answer fewer questions in class. Like, I can't remember making a decision, like, I'm going to just, like, downplay that I know all of the, mm-hmm. like, this stuff. Um, Have and you imparted ma- this to your current son? <laughs> yes. You sure? <laughs> he probably Forget about the birds it. and the bees. He that needs might to be know a, that. Right, yeah. that be... Hey, cool it. <laughs> right. Cool it, Wes. We know. We know, Wes. We know, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, he'll be in sixth grade next year, so maybe wow. it's time for him to learn. That's good timing. Yeah, that's so funny. Good to timing. To think about that I have memories. I can remember being yeah. my son's age. That's weird. I had Mr. Stroud as my sixth grade teacher. <laughs> And I went to, like, a, a private Christian school. And I had been homeschooled on, on and off. So mm-hmm. it, wasn't a, it wasn't like I was at one school for, like, the entirety of my life. Um, and I just... And I had been in that school at fourth grade. And I wasn't there in fifth grade. And I was back in sixth grade. And that year was, like, golden. Like, some years I was popular. Some years I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so in sixth grade was pretty much a, a pretty good... Perfect year. Yeah, pretty great year. That's awesome. Um... It, he, oh my gosh, he had this thing called, oh, this is so hard to even say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had something called the Stroud's Crowd. The Stroud's Crowd. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> in sixth grade, you're just like, you want to be a part of something. Right. And so, that was the name of it, which is, you know. What, what did what, what did Stroud's Crowd do? I, I. Oh gosh! I mean, it, it there's is, like a club that I you, think so. I think okay. it was kind of maybe something you you reached some level of something and then you, oh you had to get invited. I think into that you Stroud's were part crowd, of Stroud's Stroud's crowd, <laughs> in in the sixth grade. But um, yeah, I just remember the fashion from that era. Was oh yeah, pretty great. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean the oversized sweatshirts yeah. and yep. pushing your sleeves up. Yep. Yep. Did did all of the things. So you feel like in middle school you were a pretty like confident kid with all yeah. of your superior knowledge. Yeah, like sixth grade. So sixth grade, I remember, it's when I started to put together. Oh, these people are being nice to me because, like, I'm giving them the answers on homework and stuff. That was sixth grade. Okay. Where I figured out, oh, these people are really friends with me because they're getting answers from me. So then I stopped giving people answers mm-hmm. and stopped like. And then I, by eighth grade, I felt like, oh, man, I went to the same. So I went to, um, we lived in the same, on the same street from, like, as early as I can remember until I left from high school. We, had, we lived in two houses on the same street. Oh, and wow. So in eighth grade, we moved down the road. Um, and so I went to the same, I went to elementary school, middle school, high school with the same people right you know each school got a little bigger so there was more but there was people at the high school that I went to elementary school with a consistent thread of people yeah yeah and I went to the same school same elementary school all six years and then middle school three years so by the end of eighth grade like I was the I was like friends with the teachers they like 
thought I was funny, though knew they shouldn't laugh at the stuff I was saying in the middle of class, mm-hmm. but then also got good enough grades so that they didn't have to give me a hard time. Like, so I was pretty, I, like, looking back on it, realizing like, my ability to, like, read people and make friends mm-hmm. really was all, was really clicking into gear in middle school. Then by high school, like, I literally had a teacher that was like, Ben, you're not going to be able to charm your way through life. Like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like... Were you like, look at me now, bitch! <laughs> I, said, I remember saying to her, that's fine, but can I have a B? And she gave me a B, though I probably had C work, mm. you know? Because pe- I just... We were friends. <laughs> she thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, working on that in middle school, I think. I was kind of discovering that. And I can remember, like, three And then boys. you honed it in high school? And then in high school, I just, like, yeah, I mean, as, it, as it, like, in Spanish class when I didn't want to do the work, yeah. being able to be friends with the Spanish teacher helped me get good enough grades, like, you know. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, just realizing now, I feel like one of my, one of my greatest skills like in my profession is being able to make friends Mm -hmm. and just like realizing that being able to make friends is really valuable you know that's true yeah we're gonna talk about that a little later okay great which is pretty great i won't jump the gun no 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 it's great no i that all plays in so kind of high school kind of that that same like confidence building and being able to like know how to navigate the circles i mean high school is a really tough time it can be. It can be. Yeah, right. I think it, it can be. Like and I, your body's changing. Like you're, right. You want you're trying to like attain autonomy. Like I mean, I was. Right. I, I mean, personally, I was a horrible teenager. But I mean, in high school, you were just like all around cool guy. No, no, like no. Sports. No, no, I didn't play sports. I went to huge. I mean, I went to Lake Mary High School, so I graduated with like 500 in my class and stuff. And so, right. I had played baseball growing up and got cut from the baseball team. And so I like I like did set and scenery stuff for drama productions in ah. high school. Yeah, and those were the people I hung out with. Mostly. Is that how you met Stefan? Yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah, so he was a year ahead of me in school and um, was friends with my sister, and um, and so and then we became friends and right. hung out. Yeah, yeah, cool. So after high school, kind of life life takes over, and you like really, you know, you have to figure out how to make your way. And so with like the things that kind of happened to you and all the stories all the ups and downs and all things like has there been a moment in your adult life that has been um kind of like a devastating moment or a time for you um if so how did you kind of handle that and how did you figuratively or emotionally kind of like pick yourself up off the ground and keep on going So has there been a devastating time? It's interesting because um, I'm on the whole, like, I've, I've learned that I'm very optimistic and, um, and like, super confident, probably overly confident. And so sure. um, when you ask me that, nothing, I don't have this, like, moment that, like, smacks me in the face that's like, right. oh, uh, yeah, this time was absolutely so hard I didn't know if I'd make it right um I like there were there were periods in even in high school where I can remember never getting heartbroken really sad like I can remember being really sad in in a couple periods in high school and and even in the first part of college I, I like I'm in part of that like intuitive and being able to make friends is I'm naturally very empathetic um and so I uh I can feel other people's emotions a lot. Mm-hmm. And in my first year of college, I didn't... So many people and um, and a lot of kind of alone time with uncertainty about mm-hmm. what am I going to do. I can remember um, uh, walking through University of Florida's campus 
and like seeing all these people and just thinking, man, I know that I have emotions swirling and challenges going on and relationship, whatever. And all these people have that too. And I remember coming home at that Christmas break and telling my dad, because when I get into weird corners or I get into spaces where I'm not sure and I just want someone to listen and maybe give me advice, but mostly just listen, there, is yeah. I call my dad. And, um, and so I can remember coming home at that Christmas break and telling him like, man, it's not that I want to die, uh, but I kind of feel like life is really hard mm -hmm. and there's like so many people who all feel the same way. Like it'd be nice What's to not have to deal with this. Yeah. Um, if there's a, if there's something better, you know, um, so, um, you know, maybe that is like the closest to the type of thing that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it says something about me that it takes me a minute to put my finger on that. Um, and, and my dad mostly listened and, um, and said, do you think that turned a corner at some point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, that's not a pressing thought or right. feeling for me now. Right. And his main thing was, um, uh, Basically, like, uh, things go in seasons, but it's not for nothing. Seasons are not mm -hmm. for nothing. Mm -hmm. And that pain or hardship can be yeah. redemptive. It's not um, that, we're, that we're learning things from pain and hardship. Right. Um, and so that was cool. It was like, I can remember really feeling seen. And then he also affirmed, like, the reasons that he was really hopeful about my future. Like... Like, um, so as you can imagine, as your like college freshman son is saying, I don't want to die, but I, I don't know why I would live. And, um, and so he like didn't freak out hmm. and like said, I know how that feels. And then is able to say, here's the reasons I'm really hopeful about who you will be and what you will be in the world in the future. Um, so he kind of nailed it. That. That's super kind. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. He's it's hard to dude. know sometimes how to yeah sit with people in the in the in the lowest of lows and and obviously there's usually nothing as a person that you can do to help people in either an existential crisis or a real crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but I think sitting and letting them know that they are loved and that you're not going anywhere is like such a huge just showing up for people for sure and for your family and having the context of like knowing how to do that well is super powerful for sure to help shape your shape your story trajectory um so on the flip side of that have there have, has there ever been like a seminal moment or um i mean yeah it doesn't have to be exactly one thing, but is there a moment where you kind of like had this like, so you step back and you're like, I am, I'm filled with so much pride with, for what I do. Mm. Like I'm lucky to do the line of work that I do or like you just, I've caught off guard as far as like, I'm doing this thing and like, I'm overwhelmed with like how, how, how it's turned out or where you are in life or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, several moments in the span of downtown Credo, like, jumped to my mind immediately. Sure. And, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm learning about myself is, like, those moments are always almost immediately about, I can't believe I get to do this with these people. Hmm. And so, like, for a couple of years, we did, um, the, those Credo Impact Awards, you remember? And are they not going No, anymore? we have, no. No. It got to be... After you handed much. out 12 in one year? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. You get an award. You get an award. What's your name? Yeah. Oh, you're getting Yeah. Jim, you're you getting get an award. award. Everybody gets an award. Gets an award. Uh, but that first one, um, we did in the... Um, Snap space? No, no. We did the very no. first one in the old OUC oh, building right. where the ballet used to rehearse. Yep. Um, that was the first one. And that was like two big long tables yeah. and we gave Patrick Kahn an award and we John Rivers an award and stuff. Lisa Early an award. Wow. Yeah. Remember that? Do I remember yeah, that? Yeah, Dana Rock. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and that was so fun and I remember like it was like really crazy like to pull off you remember like mm-hmm. getting Emily cooking all that food like in a mobile kitchen that she had like put together and like and then that we did it and it was beautiful and we had it was stage like stage and microphone yeah, we, yeah. and and all it looked great and and it meant something to the people that we gave the award to mm-hmm. you know we had like the mayor introduce Lisa Early at like our first thing ever yeah. and it was like it felt like such a like wow um, look at this thing that we did together and we just made it up. We just made up this award and right. then gave it out and it was meaningful, you mm-hmm. know? And that was really cool. Um, and I, I like looking back at the pictures and remembering that experience. But when I remember that experience, what I remember is like, my favorite one is the one of all of us, the picture of all of us at the end, like together, like we, we did this. Um, we're I love like this that. ragtag bunch of people, yeah, yeah. and like we like, pulled off something that was cool, kind of cool and legitimate. Yeah. yeah. Then the other one that jumps to mind right away is like, um, we had been, we had been doing this bike rally once a year down, uh, like kind of through Paramore, kind of. And um, the point was, like, get people from different neighborhoods spending time with kids from Paramore and, like, seeing the streets in Paramore. And it was fun. But it had kind of run its course after a couple years, and so I was trying to think of a way to get the kids in the neighborhood excited about it. They just kind of would, like... I wanted something that honored them, but then was also fun for them, rather than just riding bikes down streets that they ride down all the time just because a bunch of white people from outside the neighborhood wants to ride with them. Something cooler than that. Right. And uh, so I was like, what if we built floats with each of them and then, like, did a parade? And um, I had never, like, done a parade before, like, organized a parade or shut down city streets or, like anything and it was just sitting in the coffee shop going let's do a parade yeah and having a having a crew of people who were like yeah we'll do a parade with you um and and we had no reason to think that we would be able to do it um except for we just started talking to people and that first parade i remember commissioner hill was going to be our grand marshal and we were still riding bikes and so we wanted her to ride a bike at the front of the parade and she didn't have a bike and so my friend like gave her a bike and Commissioner Hill here you go and she's I'm like you can ride this bike she looks over at me before she gets on the bike and it's like Ben this is the first parade we've ever had in Paramore I'm like well here you go go be your grand marshal you know and I remember the moment I remember is like turning onto Paramore Avenue um at like Central and uh the overpass the 408 overpass is in front of me and these like big Ibex puppets are like kite things are going up and the kids are walking yeah, in front of us uh-huh. and the fire trucks are all the way at the end right. and like it was like holy shit look at this thing that we did and it's legitimate and it's celebrating our city and um and we all did it together right and so those two things both are like celebrating the beauty of our city mm-hmm. with my friends in a way that's meaningful yeah like those are the, like wow can't believe i get to do this right you know yeah, yeah. It's definitely an honor. Yeah. Like We don't take that for granted in any measure. I think that kind of leads into the next topic, which is the Enneagram. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite things right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> and so kind of the ability of creating something out of nothing takes a lot and a lot of confidence in yourself. Absolutely. Um, for anybody that doesn't know about the Enneagram. The Enneagram is kind of like a like a roadmap or a map with like all the different personality types which they kind of group into nine different personality types and within that they just really help you to see the fullness of the way that you're created. So we as humans are just we don't choose our DNA or the ways that we know how to operate like our operating system is kind of like placed within this. And as adults, we get to choose into how we, um, how we operate in those and how, like, what, what we decide to move towards health and, like, how we deal with our weaknesses and all that stuff. But we don't really get to choose how our body and our brains naturally operate, which when I 
figured this out a couple years ago for me it was such a like a healing place Mm. to know that like hey like all these things that you feel inside of you like some people in a situation would react out of shame and I act out of anger and so I have all this emotion and sometimes I'm like I don't understand like how and why and what to do with it all Mm. um but the I think the Enneagram has given a lot of great framework to that and so within the nine personality types you would classify as a three correct would you concur yeah that you're a three yeah right did you guess that or did I tell you that well, I guessed it primarily, but then I asked you. Oh, I already told you. So I think that you're a three with a wing two. Okay. Which is the helper. Okay. Which is the name of it is called the charmer. <laughs> so coming full circle, <clears throat> which I'm, yeah, not. To my 10th grade Spanish teacher. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to people that you interact with. Yeah. So. Um, a three, just in case you don't know, I'm just going to read it out here so you can kind of follow along. A three is the, the achiever. So success oriented, pragmatic, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious, which that one might not be like super strong, but it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And then the number two is the helper, which is the caring interpersonal type, uh, demonstrative, generous, people pleasing, and possessive. Which is interesting. So in health, when you're healthy as a three, you're a six, which is the, the loyalist. And mm. when you're when you're kind of maybe not so healthy, which would be like a nine, which is like the the peacemaker, just trying to like keep everybody mm. at bay and not speak up for what you want, but just trying to like keep the peace in that mm. regard. Um, so I would say that I personally have benefited from especially kind of like you as a two and as a helper mm-hmm. and um, definitely having, having known you for a long time. And when um, I had this, you know, crazy idea, I was like, hey, I want to like gather strangers in my home and like do fancy drinks and food and we're going to have like real conversation. I want to do this thing called the Dinner Party Project. <laughs> and obviously I had no clue what I was doing, but I think that I felt very valued by a handful of friends when I threw this idea out and they immediately said, what do you need? Like, we're in for this. We support you and we want to help you. And I think that, um, I've just definitely always been very appreciative of your helping side to say like, Hey, I see this person who can possibly do something that has a lot of potential, but then I needed a lot of help to get there. Mm. So I think, that's been very powerful to me, and I, I know that kind of just um, you sitting with me, even in times when it's hard and I feel like giving up, which has mm. um, been a, a through thread through through my whole dinner party story, but we're still here, still going. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for that help in that regard. Um, but how do you think about, like, you learning about yourself and, like, your, the scope of who, who you are how do you think that has like helped you and shaped you um, and given you kind of like a greater awareness of like you and how you operate just in naturally, intrinsically? Yeah, I think, um, so I read one book on the Enneagram like a couple of years ago and um, identified that three stuff. The, the two stuff is really interesting. I'll have to go back and look at it because I hadn't, they thought about that, but I, I like what you're saying about that, and a lot of that resonates. Mm-hmm. I think the the value of like a um, a system of thinking like the Enneagram that's based off of like a lot of evidence and a lot of people um, gives you scope to maybe look at yourself outside of yourself. So like, um, mm-hmm. it, like it's hard for for any of us to to see ourselves objectively because we've always been looking through our eyes on the world. And so, Mm, our own lens. yeah. So it's like hard for me, like this happened a lot as, as Credo grew, I still saw it as like 2011 me behind the counter with like ugly furniture and drip coffee. And, and as it grew, it took me a while to get my feet around realizing that not everyone who 
met Credo or met me knew it from that point of view. They came to it as something different, but mm. I had trouble seeing it as that way, right? Right. Now, that's like on a simple scale of like a nonprofit benefit corporation coffee shop thing, right? But if you think about that from your own persona or identity, um, it's so hard to get outside of yourself and see yourself objectively. Sure. Right. Because how just, other people are, are how in, other people are interacting. You, interacting. With you. Yeah. So a tool like the Enneagram is helpful for that because it's like it understands that certain forces make us build are built build us certain ways, mm. and then so that's how the Enneagram was helpful for me. Reading the description of a three and resonating with it, and then for the author or the person interpreting the Enneagram to be able to say, for a personality like this, you should watch out for these types yeah. of things. Then to go, oh yeah, wow. Like I, I could definitely that. see that as a problem, right? right? Like, and then it's like, right. So here's the like edge of the cliff, right? And when you start to feel this, you're like walking on the edge of the cliff. So maybe take a step back right. in some way or other. That's how it was really helpful for me. And it has been like, it's built different practices in, mm-hmm. um, it's encouraged me. So like a, a three personality has to be careful because in that, in the reason that we're good at making friends or the charming thing is because we can see, we can intuit very quickly what other people want from us. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, I can discern that usually very quickly, really without even really realizing it. It's just very intuitive. I can just respond in a way that people... Hmm. The danger then is that you just spend all your time doing that. And then all of a sudden you lose who Navigating, you actually are. Yeah. Right? And that's how why it said like image conscious is because you're just very aware of in this room I need to look this way. In this room I need to look this way. In this room I need to speak this way. In this room I... And, if you spend all your time flip-flopping you're around man- in that... You're you lo- managing your reputation. Yeah, but you lose your identity. So like they said, mm. sometimes you'll talk to a three and you'll ask them how they feel and they actually won't know. They'll answer with questions really? about what they're doing. Because because what's happened is you get disassociated That's from what so you need. You just spend your time performing what this person needs, what this person needs. And you're, you're gaining from it. And so if you're mm. a two... You're getting the help, the validation of helping other people. If you're a three, you're getting the things you want to accomplish the projects that you want or the things that you want to reach the success that you want. So there's some validation, but you lose yourself in it. Right. And so that was the that was the cliff that I didn't know was there. That I, I hadn't fallen off that cliff. Yeah. But I could I could relate to the idea of having to take a minute to pinpoint my own emotion and realizing, oh, that could get worse if I just didn't pay attention to it. So then what it got me to do is set aside time to root myself in how I'm feeling and what right. I'm doing rather than always delivering. Do you think it's ever, do you ever feel like caught up in kind of like a, like success over people? Like I am so goal driven that it's just like a beeline to this and like I'm not really aware of how people are affected along the way. Um, so. Uh, or like placating them but not in an authentic way because you're like, I need to, I need to get to here. And so in order to do that, I have to charm my way through this, like, yeah. So mostly because I do see things in terms of people even more than, um, uh, like tasks, Mm -hmm. I I tend to think about people even more than tasks. So when I go to a situation, I say, I need to get this done. In addition to how am I going to get it done? I think about who's going to do it with me. Um, most of the time. Right. And, and there are times then where it's like, I can't bother with anybody else. I'll just do it myself because I just need to get it done. But most of the time I think about how am I, I can't do this by myself. How am I going to do this with you? Right. Um, and so I, I, but what I've had to do and what I, I've, and, and maybe, um, is draw really strong boundaries about say in this place, I have the capacity to care about these things. Hmm. And sometimes because I'm like, I'm trying to draw clear boundaries, people fall outside of those boundaries and, and that can be hard for the kind of to the wanting to help people side of me. And at times that's gotten me in trouble, the help side, because I've like tried to help people that I actually, can't I have, can't have the capacity yeah. for. And, or it's not 
appropriate or fair for me to try and solve this problem for them. That's when I've got myself into the most trouble. Hmm. Is when I've tried to solve people people's problems that it's not my problem to solve or it's not my responsibility to solve or wow. so so as yeah. I've gotten older like the the one of my best learnings is like just healthy boundaries and sense of here's what I can do and here's what I can't do and right. and not trying to solve people's problems for them you know fair enough yeah yeah so some threes that I have known or and or just kind of like reading up on some stuff is like oftentimes there's a very huge averse to failure and they're like that is something that is not possible in my life I am setting up my life in the in the construct of me not failing yeah is that something that has ever resonated with yeah definitely like and it's interesting because I spend I'm spending more and more time in an entrepreneurial space and Mm -hmm. one of the like values of entrepreneurism is failure um, because it like it's you learn so much from a project that doesn't work right right? and so one of the questions I get sometimes is tell us about one of your failures and I like kind of go uh because I, I it's not that I haven't had projects that don't work it's that I move past them very quickly and and don't dwell on them at all because it's like so when you come across a failure, you're like, okay, check on to the next thing. Like, how do you, how do you digest that? So, I mean, like I have trouble categorizing in my head. Like when it's the same thing about like, what was the thing you asked me earlier about like, devastating, uh, devastating moment. moment. Like I ha- I have to sit and think about what counts as a failure and how did I handle it? But yeah, uh, but as I'm thinking, you can't really because it, I haven't. I, it's not that I haven't failed; it's that I don't. It's not a thing I think about. So in the same way, like the the devastating moment, I I chart that up to not that I haven't had devastating moments, but I'm so optimistic that I just like rush over them in my head and don't dwell on them, don't think about them. So I have huh. to recall it. And the same thing with the failure. It's not that I haven't had projects that didn't work or ideas that failed. It's that I don't dwell on it I just because um, I, I just on to the next on one let's try again um, right and so I, I I don't think failure is devastating though I do work very hard to avoid it and I am a very hard worker and um, and uh, it the projects that I ha- that have succeeded are because I m- use all of my capabilities to make it happen whoever I have to talk to and convince to work with me, mm-hmm. however many hours I have to spend on it, like whatever, um, you know, you just figure it out to make it happen. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to make it yeah. happen. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, but it's like, that's, what's fun for me, you know, it's, it's like putting the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Like making a thing work. Right. Yeah. Not per, I don't like perfecting it. I like getting it right. up off the ground it, and making it happen. Right. And then giving it to someone giving else. Giving it to somebody else to run. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, too. I wish that was more of my story, but... It's, yeah. Well, it's really hard that... Like, t- to be able to do that means it got up to a certain point of success where it works without you. Yeah. And that's, like... <laughs> if to you remove do... yourself from the equation and have other people have the um, process down in, in the full scope of what you're trying... I mean, I'm still in that... I'm still in that process. Yeah, yeah, me too. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, so whenever I, you know, see you, I always am just like amazed at all the things that, you know, that you're doing. And when I first connected with Credo, I really was, I think, drawn in by the, the Credo of just living your life with meaning, impact, and community. And I feel that this town, like the city wouldn't be the same, like without you and Megan, like coming here and, um, taking a risk on being like, Hey, I'm going to start this you know, I'm sure you didn't know what you were doing in college. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> well, you saw me. You knew I didn't uh, know. <laughs> here's my card. 
Um, but I think that it's, it's really powerful to see people that, one, have the ability to risk something, and two, that they believe in something, and they feel strongly enough to follow through with it and make the city, like, invest in the city and be a better place. And it wouldn't be the same, I think, without you guys. And That's I've always that. loved um, just who you are in the city and, and, and who you are um, in my life and and us hopefully just, like, moving the city towards more inclusiveness and honesty and just helping people to evaluate the decisions that they make and um, hopefully that we're continuing just to be better versions of ourselves, right? Which yeah. Is the, uh, which is the name of the game. So definitely just want to appreciate you for oh, what you're you. doing and continue to do. And um, you always kind of always... I think that you have like about seven to nine jobs at one time <laughs> at all times. Could you give us a brief glimpse into, I guess, what your roles are and what you do in this town and what you started? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I came here with the wife and kids. Um, and so as like, as, as much as I'm, able that's what i do first is like love megan and try and keep kids alive right yeah and that's the hope that's the hope right right three children three children yeah yeah fantastic all three of them uh and then it was like uh i i had stumbled on the conviction of that uh, instead of thinking about what we do, we we would like our lives better if we could think about who we were. Mm-hmm. And so I started going, okay, I'm going to be in Orlando. Who do I want to be in Orlando? Um, and and, uh, and then, okay, now how will I be that? And, uh, like, I like solving problems. And so, like, figuring out how am I going to uh, be uh, an agent of meaning, impact, and community in the city of mm-hmm. Orlando um, was like a energizing question for me. Um, and, uh, I feel like a lot of people can like think that, but like acting on it is, is like a whole nother. Yeah. But the trick is like, it's not hard to act on that. The problem is that we like try and come up with a career to act on that instead of like really simple. So like the way I started acting on it was like a Google search of serve Orlando and then look for something that like I actually cared about, right? And was honest because nobody was looking at the Google search but me. So I was allowed to say, this issue is really great, but I actually, my heart doesn't move to it. I don't care about it. I ought to, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Until I found one that I actually did care about. And then I walked in and met Miss Tasha. She was running the Boys and Girls Club at the Coalition for the Homeless in a portable building. Like, and and said, how can I help you? Um, and really, that was it. It was like, okay, I'm going to be a person of meaning, impact, and community in my city. Let me find a way to serve it that I care about. And and then all of the pieces of Credo and the other projects that we've started came out of one after another after right. that. And so I really think part of the challenge is that, is that we um, lack the kind of optimism or the hope. Mm. Or the persistence that that we can keep walking down this road and it'll take us somewhere. Yeah. And so, you know, um, how I've gotten paid over the, like, um, that was 2009. So over the 10 years has probably changed five times. Um, But it always works itself out, right? And because I'm willing to... So I'm willing to work hard for the things I believe in. And so I do keep three jobs to make sure everything right. works. And um, uh, So anyway, that's how that's how Credo started. And out of Credo came came Rally, which is what, what I spend a lot of time on right now. It's Rally, the social enterprise accelerator, where we're trying to elevate Orlando's resources to a regional space where people in the region can say, um, if you want to start a social enterprise, you go look at how they're doing it in Orlando and we can connect you to mentors and potential funding and, and kind of coach up your business model and plan. And so I run that with Kyle Steele and Rob Panapinto and, right. um, right now that's what I spend a lot of time on. 
Um, and 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 we Nicole Higgins and I spun out a nonprofit called Orlando Together yeah. that I really love, and I'm the board chair for that right now. Um, and that's working <clears throat> to undermine uh, racial divisions in the city wherever they manifest themselves. Up top, all yeah. good things. <laughs> yeah. um, so, with all the layers that you have and all the things and dad and all these types of responsibilities that you have chosen for yourself, which <laughs> I am always like, Hi, cause I'm just exhausted just hearing about what you have to do. Um, my final topic is rest. So, it's something that I think that people don't do enough or talk about enough and how we... I think present our best versions of ourselves to the world is reflective in how we rest well and what that looks like. So what practices have you adopted to rest, retreat, renew, restore, take a step back and figure out, not figure out, but just take that time for self-care and, and through that being able to offer your best self to the world? Yeah. So I learned, uh, like in, in grad school, that that kind of thing would go for me in seasons and to be okay with that so ah. because i like um i uh, i can be kind of performance oriented and success driven i can like find a model and then want to like do that model the best right and when i gave myself permission in grad school to go no this is good for right now and so over the 10 years or so of my professional life the way I get rest has has evolved and changed. Sure. And uh, like as we get older, the like cycles lengthen. So now I think in terms of years, whereas I used to think in terms of months. You know, like I don't know. I'm 38, so I keep getting older. I feel like every year. Um, it happens. Yep. To everybody. So right now, annually, it's like a goal of a of a week long vacation with the family and at least a, a several day vacation with my wife, separate from the kids. And, um, and that's become a really good thing as our kids are getting to an age where they're really remembering the vacations and, and, and when we hit that goal every year and the mm -hmm. memories stack on top of each other, then, um, they, it feels like a flywheel get, picking up speed. It gets cooler and cooler each year, you know? And then Megan and I on trips together, it, it, it uh, builds like this log of memories and experiences that we've had together, mm -hmm. which... It's really, it's like a relationship that keeps getting better, which is really cool. Um, one of the trips that we did last year was we ran a half marathon in Zion National Park. Mm -hmm. And my whole life I've hated running. Um, it does not sound like rest to me. It was like, and I, and so we had this training plan for like four months. And for three months I ran three times a week and hated every minute of it. Yeah. But in somewhere in the Same. fourth month I started to love it. And, um, nope. so that a year ago, April, so almost a year ago now right. was when we ran that race. It's crazy. Yeah. And so a year, uh, so I've been running now three times a week on average. Still? Yeah. For like 18 months, like since, yeah, like a year and a half. And it's like, uh, really great. Um, it's like, uh, uh, it's like runs out all of the, like stress that builds up from projects that aren't resolved yet or questions that I don't have answers to mm -hmm. or um, and it's a space where there's nobody but me I also part of the reason I started riding my bike was because I realized that it, it introduced a little bit of adventure into my day mm -hmm. um, and it slowed the pace of my day down I could go fewer pa places if I had to ride my bike right so I would schedule fewer things in my day um, and so I, and that's, the bike is part of intentionally slowing myself down a little bit. Um, so I, I try to like build it in cause I'm not a person that naturally wants to take care of myself like that. Fair enough. Yeah. So the run, the bike, and then the vacations right now. What would your, if you did have a day, then money was, was not an object. Like what would an ideal day of rest be for you? Oh, that's great. Like, anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. Oh, man. Yeah. So we lived in Denver for a year, and, um, and I would have Fridays off and uh, of my job, and so uh, we bought lift passes, mm -hmm. and on Fridays, we were an hour from ski slopes, and so I would get up early in the morning 
and uh, go uh, ski by myself yeah. for the day. Yeah. And I'd bring like a couple uh, of power bars in my pocket so and the iPod in my ears and that was it all yeah. day by myself um, exploring the slopes of the mountain. I did not know that. That's so cool. It was fantastic. Um, so those days I like, oh man, that was, we, we killed it for that year. That was really good. Right. Um, so that comes to mind right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good Down one. the slopes. Yeah, down the slopes yeah, by sounds, myself. Oh, yeah. that sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so in parting, do you think that you have any piece of like life wisdom that you would share with us? I know it's so broad. <laughs> That's a really. <laughs> you can be in any any subject, any. I mean. Or any theme that you've been feeling recently that's like, man, this is really directing kind of where I'm going because I have this mantra or this thing that's been in my head and in my heart. Yeah, I mean, the thing I've been thinking about l- lately is like, um, really uh, wanting to encourage people towards taking their convictions seriously 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 enough to to take small steps in keeping with them not big ones um i think small steps are a lot of times harder to take because they feel like not monumental. as like not no small not t- steps t- they, they don't feel monumental oh, they feel got insignificant it. Got it, got it. yeah and so it's harder to take a small step in keeping with my conviction because it's like does it really matter but the answer is uh, the small steps are the ones that actually matter. The big steps you'll do once and then never do again, but the small ones will yeah. build momentum. And so, like, find something that you believe in and then take small steps in keeping with it, right? And uh, so doing a small thing for a long period of time is more powerful than doing a big thing for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's one of my, like, becoming a a real pattern for me and a a thread through my uh life right now that's good yeah so good good so if people want to find out about credo and what you do and all the things like how would people find out where where should i should we send them to they should come to our coffee shop or to a website or fair enough (laughs) so you have three coffee shops yeah we have three coffee shops college park yeah health village Uh uh-huh and North Quarter. North Quarter Market. Yeah. And Come your website there. is? DowntownCredo.com. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Thank you for just sharing your afternoon with me and drinking a drink. and Good drink, Dana. Just chatting all the chat. So. Yeah. Fun. Thank, thank you. you. It's great. Sweet. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation Podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation 